in the scripture reading that we're going to be reading from this morning is Ephesians 5, the verses 1 to 21. And we'll be focusing specifically on verses 15 to 16 this morning. As with last week, we will be looking at this in light of the upcoming home visit season. We are speaking of Christ's return in this upcoming home season, home visit season, and we're more specifically focusing on redeeming our time in view of Christ's return. And so we are reading from Ephesians 5. You'll be able to find that on page 1346 of your Pew Bible. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So far, the word of God. We'll be focusing on verses 15 and 16 here in particular. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I would ask as we walk through this passage that you would keep your Bibles open that we can follow along. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have you felt like you were scrambling lately? 
It can often and easily feel like life is moving much faster than we can handle. The weight of responsibilities weigh us down. Our mind can sometimes feel like it's under so much pressure that it's hard to think about and focus on one thing any longer than a few minutes at a time. When things get this busy, pressure points start to give in other parts of our lives. Cracks start to spread everywhere. You have trouble focusing on conversations. It feels like there's a clenched fist inside of your chest. When you're asked to do something that should be a normal part of life, it begins to cause anxiety because suddenly it's one more thing that you need to think about in addition to the millions of other things that are buzzing around your head. So many things build up in your head that your mind flits from one thing to the next, desperate not to forget anything. From the moment you wake up to the moment you lie down in your bed, your mind is racing and it's exhausting. And then the elders come to your home, as they will come in this home visit season, and they ask you how you are preparing for the return of Christ. The subject of the return of Christ is a big one, and an important one. And so, among other things, the elders will be asking specifically about stewardship of time. How are you using your time in light of the return of Christ? But when life gets this busy and when there are so many things going on, this kind of question really puts a knife into us, doesn't it? Right, right, I need to do that too, and that's important. I need to focus on on Bible reading and prayer and, and, and living out my walk with the time I have. How do I do this? Today we'll look at this passage in light of our home visit theme for the year, the return of Christ, and we'll examine it under the following theme, redeeming the time in view of Christ's return. And we'll see, first of all, walking through time circumspectly, and second, walking through time in wisdom. If you'll look at our text together with me, you'll see the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, use some interesting language here. We read, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You boys and girls may be wondering, what does circumspectly mean? And maybe some of us who are older are wondering that as well. Well, let me break it down. To get what's meant by the word circumspectly, we can break it down into two parts, circumspectly. You boys and girls who are in grade school may know what that first one means. You've heard about the circumference of a circle, right? You probably learned in math class about the radius of the circle, which is the distance from the middle to the edge. The circumference of the circle is the measurement of the distance around the circle. So, the part of the word circum has the meaning of around built into it. So with that part of the world circumspectly in mind, we can look to the next part of it, speckly. For this, you only have to think of the word spectacles, an older English word for glasses. So putting putting that together in the word circumspectly, we can see that it refers to looking around 
It means looking around. It means to be aware or mindful, to know what's going on. It means you can carefully look at a whole situation, wanting to avoid mistakes and wanting to avoid bad consequences. But what does it mean to walk circumspectly? The Apostle Paul is not just telling us to walk from point A to point B with our heads up, being aware of what's going on around us. When the Apostle Paul talks about walking in his letters, he's always talking about movement through life. Here in our text, life is pictured as a journey. Our journey began at our conception when God created us as unique individuals. As the poet King David said to God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. As we grow in life, we're traveling through time. Every heartbeat, every breath, every moment is a moment in which we are moving forward down this path of life. Time is marching on and it's taking us with it. We are, as the Apostle Paul puts it, walking through life. But when life gets busy, it's so easy just to put down our heads and to push through. We get caught in tangles of brush when our finances get in the way or we get mired in the bog when life gets busy, overly busy at work or at home. We need to take our children to school and to soccer practice, and to choir practice, and to volunteer at fall fairs. We need to make sure that the orders are filled for our company, and that we haven't forgotten anything. And then this other person comes in and phones and reminds us of yet another thing that we forgot. And sometimes the only thing that keeps us afloat is the fact that, we, is the, fact that the weekend is only a few days away. But after a brief breather, it all begins again. Week after week passes. In school, assignment after assignment passes. And we're moving from one moment of brief calm to the next. And before we know it, another year has gone by. We put our heads down and we pushed through. But in doing so, We've missed so much. And then we look back and we question ourselves, where did all that time go? Slow down and look up, the Apostle Paul says. See then that you walk circumspectly. Look around and see how you live. Slow down and start becoming aware of the way that you live so that you can start living intentionally. But living intentionally in light of what? There's a great contrast being set up here. The old life and the new, death and life, dark and light. First, in verses 1 to 2 of our passage, the Holy Spirit sets up our Savior sets up our, the, the Holy Spirit, sorry, uh, shows us our 
Savior and our example, Jesus Christ. He gave himself up as a sacrifice, which was pleasing to God. And in Christ, we become a sweet-smelling to God, a sweet-smelling aroma to God as well. God is pleased by us because Christ has paid for our sin. For those who believe, they get to live and walk in the reality of this situation. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, and this is true for you. God is pleased by us. But the question arises then, how then ought we to live if Christ has done all this for us? Don't walk in the dark, Paul begins. Don't make an effort to go back to where Christ has pulled you from. The wrath of God is coming on people who don't know Christ and who live a life that's filled with foolish talk, with coarse joking, adultery, coveting, and more. Christ has rescued you from that. Don't return to that lifestyle. In fact, where you see it, it says, where you see it, expose it. Verse 11 of our passage. You've been pulled off of that dark path There are two paths going, and you've been pulled off of that dark path, and you've been brought from the darkness into the light. Walk then as children of the light. Awake, you who sleep, he says. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Like Christ once said to the dead man Lazarus, come out, and then raised him to life that he could come out of the tomb in obedience to his Savior's call. The call comes here to all of us today as well. Awake, you who sleep. It's in light of what Jesus has done for us and in the strength that he supplies that we are called to shake our heads from this fog of the cares of the world that we're so wrapped up in and to wake up to walk circumspectly, walk looking around, walk being mindful, because it is Christ himself who wakens you up from death. And this brings us to our second point, walking in wisdom. The question that arises once we've been awakened and brought from death to life by Jesus Christ our Lord is, okay, so I'm waking up. What do I look at? How do we walk circumspectly? Being brought from darkness into the light, we're brought into a new situation. We are brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and God wants us to be aware of that situation that we are in. Are you aware of that? Do you find yourself living that way? Living in the reality of this new life? Living, thinking about the fact that you are walking in a new life? Are you aware of that? So often, we just carry on with life, saying each day is the same as the last, and the next day will be the same as today. 
Because of this, we sometimes slip into a pattern of spending day in and day out planning for that day when we'll have a bit more money set aside. Most of us have mortgages that we watch or have savings accounts or RRSPs that we're trying to grow. Now watching these things are part of being good stewards. But we need to deal with them in the view of people who know that they could be taken away at any moment. People who are good stewards yet hold the things of this world loosely and who focus on the things that matter. The Ephesians knew this truth. Paul was busy writing to them at a time when many of them had everything stripped away because of the fact that they held the name of Christ dear. Many of them were little more than beggars because they were Christians. Yet for them, the government could take away every other possession that they owned, but the government couldn't take away their most precious possession, Christ. Is this what we value? We don't know when ill health will strike. We don't know when the government will decide that our Christian beliefs aren't acceptable and will sue us or our schools to force compliance to the world's standards. Everything could be stripped away from us then. And what will we have left? It's because of the realization of the fleeting nature of earthly goals and possessions that the Apostle Paul introduces us to two people with two very different walks of life, the fool and the wise man. He writes, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So who is the fool? The fool, God says in Psalm 14 verse 1, is the one who says in his heart that there is no God. He has nothing to live for beyond the world, this world. His, his goal is success. His goal is having good relationships with those who are around him. His goal is his 401k. His aim is a comfortable retirement. Years of labor and countless hours of precious time go into something that can disappear in the blink of an eye. You can see this already beginning early. You can see this being ingrained already in our days in elementary school and in high school. Look at the guy who smokes weed to fit in with his friend group at school who also do the same thing. Or the guy who in, gets involved with coarse joking or foolish talk in the locker room with his friends in high school. Look at the girl who spends far too much time getting ready in the morning to impress people that she doesn't even like because looks are what they value. Don't walk with your head down in this life, following those who walk in darkness, Paul writes. They move from one point to another with their heads down, just focused on getting through this next period of time, precisely because they are walking in darkness. They don't see more to, the, to this world. This brief moment on earth, 70, 80, maybe 100 years, is all that those who walk in the dark focus on. What you see here is what you get. Why would you want to follow them in that? Why would you want to value the same things that they value? They don't see a God who is in control of it all. 
who ought to be honored? When we put our heads down and all we see ahead of us is fitting in, or the weekend, or our next holiday, or our bigger house, then we're copying the fool, the one who says in his heart, there is no God. When you spend your precious time involved in filth, in foolish talking, coarse joking, you're taking the short-sighted view. You are like a person who can see, closing his eyes and pretending to be blind so that he can fit in with all of the other blind people who are around him, so that he can experience the world just like all of those other blind people around him are experiencing it because he wants to be just like them. Don't do that, Paul says. Walk circumspectly. Be aware of your new situation in Christ. You have been blessed with so much here. You are living in a new reality which Christ has bought for you through his death. The old life is behind you. You've been saved from sin. You aren't a fool, so don't walk like one. The door has been opened for you to eternity. And now you stand in the light. Open your eyes and examine yourself. Where am I? Where am I? Surrendering your life, not to the expectations of the world, but focusing on our God. Walking not as a fool, but walking as a wise man. So what, is, what does it look like to walk as a wise man? Let's go back to our passage. Paul says, walk not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There are two things to note here. The first is to understand what's meant by wisdom, and the second is to understand what's meant by redeeming the time. In order to understand what the Apostle Paul means by wisdom, we need to understand him in the world in which he lived. Paul was born a Jew and raised a Pharisee, and so he would have been steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures from a very early age. As with many Jews, it would have been quite likely for him to have used the book of Proverbs as a learning tool to read and to write and to learn how to think. And so when he spoke of wisdom, it would have absolutely been tied to the book of Proverbs. Specifically chapter 9, verse 10, where we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is a view of wisdom that this world has. That is just connected to intellect, to intellect, to being smart, to having a wealth of knowledge behind you. But that's not wisdom, God says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To know God and to fear Him is where wisdom begins. He is a holy, perfect, and righteous God. He's also the all-powerful creator of the universe. So when we walk through life, walking wisely begins by being aware of that, by recognizing that God is the one who is in control and it is He who has ownership over everything, even our possessions, our time, our very selves. So what Paul is saying here is, don't just seek to avoid the dark. Don't just seek to avoid walking as a fool, but walk in the light. Walk in wisdom. 
Walk with God. And then Paul goes on to highlight one specific thing, time. Time is a gift of God. It's a resource that he gives. As we read in Psalm 31 verse 15, my times are in your hands. But it's not infinite. And as with all the gifts that God gives us, he will know how we spent it. It's important to recognize why Paul specifically highlights time over anything else for the Ephesians. Paul highlights time because many of them have had everything else already taken away from them. Time is all they have left. And for some of them, due to persecution, they may even have reason to believe that this resource, time, is something that they might have very little left of. And so Paul calls them to redeem their time. The word here is the idea of an exchange, like you would make if you you redeem something at the store. Giving up something in order to gain time. That you may use it in a different way. Time is a precious resource. Be intentional in the way that you use it. But how are they called to redeem their time? How are they to make the most of it? Paul gives them a framework. He first tells them not to act in a way that is unwise, as we just saw, but instead to understand what the will of the Lord is. This makes sense. If time is a gift from God, then we would naturally look to the one who gave us that gift to learn how best to use it, right? More than that, to be able to slow down and live deliberately to be able to let go of our anxieties about the millions of different things that we have in this life that we have to try keep in our minds and to be able to turn that over to God, we need to be able to cast our anxiety on the one who holds all of it in his hand. So after saying this, the Apostle Paul gives us two examples of the use of time. One unwise and one wise. First, Paul writes, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. It's interesting that when talking about time, the first thing that comes up as a problem is wine. Today, you could expand that to include beer or marijuana, which is going to be legalized in the near future by our federal government. Don't be drunk. Don't be stoned. Why? Because it's dissipation. It's a squandering or wasting of resources. That's what dissipation means. A squandering or a wasting of resources. The Bible teaches us here that getting drunk or getting high isn't just a waste of money, it's a waste of time. And time is a gift that God grants us. So the wasting of it is displeasing to Him. The man who seeks wisdom and who seeks to live in the light of God, to walk in the light of God, recognizes this, reflects on this, and seeks to please God. And now the implications of this stretch far beyond alcohol and drugs as well. What about the other things that consume our time? Video games, binge-watching Netflix, uncontrollably scrolling through social media. This also would fall under the umbrella of dissipation. Squandering resources. 
Using things in moderation with good purpose, even when it comes to recreation, can be a good thing. But when you allow these things to take control of you, it's a different story. That is living in a way that is unwise. That's joining the world. So what then? Many of these things are terribly addictive, and that's the very reason why they are able to get control over us in the first place. How do we walk in a way that's wise? The Bible, first and foremost, above everything else, calls us to remember who we are and whose we are. Those who put their faith in Christ belong to Him. They belong in the light. And this is true of you. This is true of you. If you are a long-time believer, or even if today is your first time in church, and you are committing your life to Christ, seeking to follow Him with your heart, soul, and mind, this is true for you. We who put our faith in Jesus Christ belong to the day and to the light. And so we are on a completely different path of the world. In light of that, the Bible calls us to lift up our heads, to be wise, to be circumspect, to recognize what we are doing when we surrender control to God, and to be aware of the fact that He is the one who is in control. The Bible calls us to walk as those who are wise, to recognize God over us. But how do we do this primarily? By being filled with the Spirit. But how do you go about being filled with the Spirit? Doesn't He do the filling? It's true, He does indeed do the filling. And that's why this is in the passive form. It's not fill yourself with the Spirit, but it's be filled with the Spirit. But look back for a moment to what this is contrasted with. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. How do you get drunk on wine? You drink a whole lot of it. Now compare that to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. How do you drink of the Spirit? Colossians 3, the verses 1 to 2. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. Slow down in our daily actions. Slow down our racing thoughts for a moment that are occupied by absolutely everything else. And then seek and deliberately set your mind on things above. And then move on in life. Not only alone, but in community. He goes on to say, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So through worship, through speaking to each other and applying the words of Scripture to each other in the psalms, through Bible study, through catechism classes, through life renewal, and through lifting up the name of the Lord in song, especially when craving of wasteful things strikes, but also at other times. 
Song is an especially powerful form in engaging the heart and mind. Music sticks with us in ways that nothing else can. And so God encourages us to make good use of that. As most of, as most of us are those who have inherited a fairly reserved Dutch heritage, we're not always inclined to be a community that spontaneously bursts into song. Not to say that it's completely absent among us, whether through singing or humming or whistling. Many of us bring musical praise to God. But for the rest of us who don't, perhaps now is the time to begin changing that. But above all of that, and through all of that, we are called to be aware of the riches that we have been blessed with in Christ, even if anything, everything else is taken away. And we are called to have our life soaked with giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, elevating each other's needs above ourselves. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Living in this new life, not only walking, not only singing, not only seeking to fix our hearts and our minds in heaven where Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, but also seeking to spend that time serving each other. Letting the blessings which God poured out on us and the fact that Christ has taken us from death to life, from darkness to light, drive us to redeem the time and to spend it in service of our fellow saints. Beloved, do you redeem the time? The days are short, the days are evil, and Christ is coming. Do you redeem your time? Do you lift up your head and see the new life in Christ that you have, which he has bought for you? Do you seek to live in that, to redeem your time by being filled with the Spirit? Does that overflow in hymns, in a life of thankfulness, and in a life of service? Let us slow down and begin living intentionally in the light, thinking about it. Let us begin today, living in the light in which, to which we are called through Jesus Christ. And let us do it all the more, spurred on this home visit season, as we consider the Lord's return, knowing that the days are evil and that the days are short, that we can have as much impact on those within the kingdom of God and those who are in our communities for the glory of God and the spread of Christ's kingdom. Amen.